August 1st, 2020. It was a beautiful, hot and muggy Louisiana Saturday evening in August. And I was sitting in the confessional of St. Joseph Church in French Settlement for the very first time here in confessions because that was my ordination day and I had been a priest for about six hours or so. And I planned ahead and I said, Father Jason, would you be willing to, you say the mass and everything, but I'm gonna be a fresh priest at that point. I'd like to hear some confessions and there's a tradition that goes with it that I'll tell you about in a different homily. But I'm hearing confessions and time and time again, people were coming in, some face to face, some behind the screen. And I still have my little paper in hand because I had not re uh, rem remembered the prayer of absolution just yet. So I'm kind of doing that thing where I'm closing my eyes and praying over them, but also peeking down to make sure I'm getting it right so I actually forgive sins and not just make it up as I go. And I don't remember who came. I don't remember what they said, how long it had been. Thanks be to God. I pray for the grace to forget because I am worried about remembering what's said in that room except for one person. I don't know who it was. They were behind the screen. I don't remember what they said. All I remember is hearing the voice from the other side of the screen say, bless me, Father, for I have sinned. It has been 53 years since my last confession. And immediately I went, oh, crud. <laughs> I had heard about these types of things in seminary. They said, you're going to get people who have been away for decades. Welcome them back. And I'm trying to play it cool he starts to get emotional. I start to get emotional mainly because I was terrified. I'm like, I don't know what to do, Jesus. 53 years, that was more than twice the amount of years and I was even alive at the time. And so I'm thinking, what do I do, Jesus, for, for his penance? Does he have to do like 600 rosaries? Walk on some Legos or something really painful and difficult? And then it was in that moment that the Holy Spirit kind of helping me reflect through this so that I can tell this story and realize in that moment that the penance that we receive when we go to confession is not a punishment. It should never be a punishment. Just like when you go to the doctor and you say, okay, this is what hurts. This is what's wrong. This is what I'm going through. And you get the right medicine to help you heal. The penance should heal us from the woundedness that sin causes. I don't remember what we had talked about or what I said but I remember that so profoundly because I really do believe the Lord gave me the grace only to believe, to, to remember that that was one of the very first confessions I had heard as a priest. 53 years of being away from the church and then just suddenly this person decides to come back. That was nothing that Father Matthew Dunn did. It wasn't anything that anybody did except Jesus himself. If that doesn't explain the Lord's mercy to us, and I don't know what will, because we come to celebrate this Divine Mercy Sunday every second Sunday of Easter. We have this image behind me with the Lord and the rays coming from his heart. There's a relic of St. Faustina, the nun who he appeared to and said, promulgate this, push for this devotion to my divine mercy. We come and celebrate that every year. And earlier today, I was in the same confessional in French settlement back at home, helping with two hours worth of confession. Probably about 100 people came. Special Mass at 3 o'clock for Divine Mercy. It's exhausting, but it is so beautiful. But I couldn't help but think, and I mentioned this in my homily, it's good that you came to confession. It is good that you are here. But what keeps you away the rest of the year? The mercy of Almighty God is not available to us only on Divine Mercy Sunday. Forgiveness of sins does not only exist during the Easter season. 
We continue this season of resurrection, this octave of Easter today, the eighth day of Easter. We've had eight solid days of the Easter Sunday celebration with all the incense and all the bells and all the fancy vestments and all the alleluias, and we're going to keep that going. But we're reminded in this season that resurrection is real. Jesus Christ is alive. He didn't pop up out of the tomb and then die a few days later. He is still alive, he is still among us, and he still offers that divine mercy to us. We just have to be willing to go and receive it. But how often we can find ourselves in the place of good old St. Thomas. And poor St. Thomas, we know him as what? Doubting Thomas. The one instance in the gospel where he makes a little mistake. And he doubts. Unless I touch Jesus in the flesh, I'm not going to really believe Y'all are right. I'm never going to believe this. This isn't true. Never mind the fact that Jesus called him by name to be one of the apostles, one of the first disciples, one of the first priests, a bishop of the church. Never mind the fact that he evangelized all of Asia, brought the culture, brought the church, brought the gospel to half the world. Never mind all of that. We cling to his one mistake, doubting Thomas. But how often we can be doubting in our own spirituality, our own lives, our own families, our own relationships. When I first got assigned here to Christ the King this past summer, which was in a whirlwind, I think I had like a week and a half of heads up before the bishop said, surprise, the other assignment didn't work out. You're going to Christ the King. And people started to tell me, you know, Father, that's the perfect place for you. We're going to miss you here at this parish, but that's the perfect place for you because you're going to bring all the young people back to church. I'm like, number one, that ain't my job. That's Jesus. I am one person. Number two, who's to say they're not already there? There's room for more, sure. But I say that because I want you to hear very clearly that as a spiritual father, as your spiritual father, I'm proud of you. Because day in and day out, you show up to Christ the King. You have made this your spiritual home because it is. Six o'clock mass is always packed. Eight o'clock, y'all chose the better part because there's more room to space out and everything. Uh, 10 a.m. mass on Sundays, jam-packed. As far as we can estimate, there's about 12 to 1,300 students every Sunday that fill this church. And I told the people back at home that today. I said, if you want to be like St. Thomas and say, Father, it's just so sad. Your generation don't go to church. The church is dying off. Young people aren't coming into the church. It's just so sad. I'm like, you can be sad if you want. But if you want to be like St. Thomas and say, I'm not going to believe it until I see it, come to Christ the King. Because something, brothers and sisters, keeps bringing you back here every Sunday. What is it? It's not just the preaching. It's not just the music. It's not just the community. It's not just because maybe mom or dad are at home watching Life 360 to make sure you actually show up to Mass. I know it happens. But something keeps bringing you back. What is it? Dare I say it's the very thing that we heard about in the first reading. Because the resurrection happens, there's a newness of life, the church is on fire, disciples are going out spreading the gospel, Jesus ascends into heaven, And what are we told happens? The church lives by three things. The teaching of the apostles, the communal life, and the breaking of the bread. The teaching of the truth. What the church believes is given to us by Jesus Christ. It is the truth. They believe that. The truth brings you back here because to some extent you find a truth here. 
whatever it is, there's always room to grow and to deepen that truth and that understanding, but it brings you back. The communal life. Nobody shows up just to come and sit among 600 of your closest friends. But there is strength in numbers. There's a reason we don't live stream our mass anymore because there's no community with that. When we come and show up in numbers as we do, and we sing out the hallelujahs and we respond during the profession of faith, I do reject Satan. I do believe in God. I do believe all of these things. Heaven rejoices and it strengthens us. It lights us back on fire in a newness of life to go out. The teaching of the apostles in the truth of Jesus, the communal life of having the community of the church, and then the breaking of the bread, the scripture says. The sacraments. You come to receive the sacraments. The Eucharist is not just a symbol. If you think it's just a symbol, please come talk to me after Mass. I just won't talk. It's the living body, blood, soul, and divinity of the same Jesus Christ who hung on the cross for you, the same Jesus Christ who was dead in the tomb for you, the same Jesus who walked out of the tomb in a, in a newness of life that he gives to you now because of his divine mercy for you. Don't doubt and say, I'm not going to see it. I'm not going to believe it till I see it, till I feel it, till I experience it. What we do here is true, and it brings us back again and again to transform our heart. We are only eight days into this 50-day celebration of the resurrection of Easter, because we are an Easter people. This candle has been burning for a week straight. That same flame that you see before you is the same flame that Father Andrew blessed at the Easter vigil to pierce the darkness of the church, Christ the risen Lord piercing the darkness of the world. That is who we are, Christ in the world, to dispel the darkness, to bring a newness of life, and to do it joyfully. How do you live the resurrection? The communal life of the church, the truth of Scripture, the teaching of the apostles, the sacramental life, making a good and honest confession from time to time, especially when you're aware of serious sin. If you're looking for a, a sign that maybe I should go to confession, I am your sign. Show up to confession. We have like seven and a half hours worth of confession every week at CTK for you. Let me answer some questions when it comes to confession. No, we don't remember who comes to confession. No, I'm not worried about how long it's been or how terrible your sin is or how terrible you think it is. If I could say so gently, no, your sins are not interesting. I don't care what you've done. They're not unique. There is no 11th commandment. There's no new sins. I'm not worried about remembering it. The Lord is not worried about holding on to it because he wants your freedom. Each and every time you go into that confessional, it's like a little resurrection. Think about it. You walk in under the heaviness of your sin, like Jesus carrying the cross that was so heavy with our sin. We have to die to our sins by doing the painful act of actually hearing ourselves say the words of what it is that we've done to betray Jesus, to spit on Jesus, to slap Jesus, to nail him to the tree. Not out of guilt or shame, but because when we die to those sins, as soon as we hear those words, your sins are forgiven, go in peace. You walk out of the confessional as Jesus walked out of the tomb, restored renewed, resurrected in a fullness of life that only the Lord himself can give you. So what are we waiting for? 
What holds us back? Be not afraid. There is nothing to be afraid of. Jesus has already won. He is already the king. He's already the victor. He lives and will not die again. The enemy has already left. He's lost and he flees. Anytime we come to the church and try to kindle this fire of divine love and divine mercy within our hearts. In just a moment, we're going to stand as a congregation and renew our baptismal promises. And by the way, when I ask you these questions, I expect a good hearty answer. Do you reject Satan? Yeah, I guess. I do. I do reject him. I do believe in God. This is who we are. It's our faith. And then you'll be sprinkled with this holy water, this baptismal water to remind you of who you are. Through those waters of baptism, you become a new creation. A beloved son, daughter of God Most High, you receive that same divine life, that same divine mercy that brings us to life. There is nothing to be afraid of. So let's not be like St. Thomas. Unless I see it, I'm not going to believe it. Let's not be like the apostles who hid in fear. Let's be like what the book of Acts says after Pentecost, they went out on fire to evangelize, to spread the good news. In resurrection, in fullness of life, in divine mercy, so that we can truly be like St. Thomas when he finally saw the Lord and look at him and say the same thing. You, Jesus, you are the one, my Lord and my God. Thank you for listening to the Christ the King at LSU podcast. The ministry here is possible thanks to our generous supporters. If you would like to become a CTK Golden Giver or learn more, please check our website. Your monthly financial support reaches hearts across LSU's campus and beyond. Details can be found on the website at ctklsu.org.